Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2017. That is the year that will go on record as the beginning of my speaker tour. Yes. So I was all over the place. One of my stops was in New York at a Horowitz event where media and marketing executives gathered to talk about the changing landscape of our society and how that impacted the way that we're consuming media. That's where I met our next guest. He would sit alongside me on a panel where we would discuss diversity and inclusion. In my case, inclusion marketing. In his case, what he called reframe the brand. He was probably the only one I knew in the industry that I knew of personally that was trying to re-examine the way we were looking at what some people would call total market. I think total market is a mistake. He had other thoughts, but as you listen to Jeffrey Bowman, you'll see that we wind up in the same place. And that is the change happens from the inside out, which means it's not just an HRDNI thing. It's a total organizational thing. And before you can do any marketing around it, or communicating around it, you have to start at home and get it right. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to meet Jeffrey Bowman. He's the founder of Reframe the Brand. He is a change agent and he is a tech founder. Without further ado, Jeffrey Bowman. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, how about you? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the show. Listen, let's see, I think it was 2017 when we met. Yeah. Is that I think right? We were on a panel. I think we were on a panel together. Yes, we were. And we had a conversation about how to move forward um, mm-hmm. in the space. And you've been doing some pretty innovative things. I'm glad you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think when we met, um, in 2017, we were on uh, year two and, and just a couple of changes that we've made in terms of the company. Uh, when we first started out and when you and I met, we were pretty much making the bridge from when I left Ogilvy. And um, at Ogilvy, we pretty much uh, tackled the conversation uh, and around total market um, and the application of that through uh, cross-cultural and polycultural insights. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we, you and I had met, um, we basically had two years under our belt. We validate their approach. Right. Um, and for a lot of folks in this space, uh, the, natural, uh, the natural question was, is a new form of advertising? Mm-hmm. And it really was around marketplace transformation. Um, and then from there, we moved over to workplace transformation. Right. And you know, you're probably one of the first people I've met 
that actually sees the correlation and how that ecosystem system must work together to change the trajectory of companies when it comes to workplace and the brand, right? In marketing. Right, right. Yep, yep. And, and you know, the thing is, um, you know, I did a lot of research um, with regards to, you know, if you think about the Gen X generation, we're probably generation post-civil rights too. Right. And so when a lot of us who started within marketing and communications, uh, a lot of us didn't land in advertising. So you take someone like myself, started at Pepsi on the back of a truck. <laughs> and so when you think about uh, a lot of folks in, in that generation, uh, we kind of worked our way from the bottom mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to strategic roles. Right. Um, and so as, we, as I went through that migration, um, from a macro perspective, a lot change from a talent perspective, but also from a consumer perspective. Uh, and, and a lot of folks talk about technology, but really, was to human stupid, meaning mm -hmm. people have changed. Right. And so as a, as a result of that, um, by the time I got to Ogilvy, I was really at this state of, okay, um, why are we still talking about the things that we were talking about, you know, 30 years ago? Right. And why are we still using the same practices? And so that's when I began to dig a little bit deeper because um, I started at Pepsi, PNG, Millicores, mm -hmm. Whirlpool, Dell, and Sears. And if you look at a lot of those um, those iterations of jobs, there were not a lot of published documents right. as to how to help us. Right. And when you think about the books that we were reading, they were written as a as for the general market or well, uh, know, the general pop. It took advertisers a long time to even recognize that. Yeah there were markets out there that were not white. Um, you know, this reminds me of Ebony Magazine and yep. John yep. Johnson. I mean, he was the one that really convinced some of these big brands to understand that black people were a real market, let alone anyone else, Latino, Asian. Yeah, yeah. so um, a lot of that um, I discovered through research, obviously, and obviously coming from, you know, if you think about, the history between, you know, the evolution of ethnic markets at the time, you know, they were called Negro marketing. Right. And then from Negro went to ethnic, and from ethnic it went to black, and from yeah. black it went to, you know, multicultural. Multicultural? <laughs> <laughs> so and we laugh about this, no, we know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And, and, and as you think about those evolutions, um, you know, the big uh, precipitous was the television. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at that evolution of, you know, what these audiences were called, you go from, let's say, a $100 million industry, let's say 1970 to a $500 uh, billion, billion industry, okay? Right. So B with a B. And so what, what hasn't changed is... Um, the idea of, of those, you know, those markets now reflect 48% of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. But the people who are considered the experts uh, get less than 1% of that $500 right. billion dollars on a global basis. So that was the inequity that said, okay, something's got to change. Yeah. And so as, a, as I began to do the research, 
when you look at uh, the way that the space formed, it was, you know, the 50s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. And so, to your point, it was 19, I think it was 1935, there was an association form called Association for National Advertisers. They partnered with this association called the 4As, okay? Mm-hmm. Then they partnered to uh, form the Advertising Research Foundation, right? Okay. So think about that. Let's say on a good day, it was 1940. Yeah. It wasn't until 2000, to your point, they formed multicultural extensions mm-hmm. so that they can educate the enterprise organizations. Wow. So everyone that came up. That's just advertising. And so when I began to do, do a little deeper dive, um, right around the time of, as you mentioned, everything with uh, Ebony and Essence, in 1970 with Essence, or 69 or 70, um, it was at the same time that they started this idea of a, uh, a, a ethnic ERG or black ERG. Right. And so when you look at the formation of the practice of marketing and communications and the practice of what became diversity, then inclusion, uh, as companies went global, um, these practices haven't changed. Right. And the results have been the same. Yes. Right? Absolutely. So and you we, know what? I don't want to yeah. cut you off, but before we yeah. get going, how about we have a closer yeah. suit moment? Because this is a great right. place to have one. Let's All do right. it. Let's do it. Cool. All right. All right. So this is one of the conversations. It's online all the time, especially yeah. on LinkedIn. We have corporate conversations, conversations about the workplace and more and more about marketing. People are talking about diversity, inclusion, equity, belonging, all of these different words. But it's it's rare that you see entities thinking about a brand strategy that aligns with their workplace strategy so that their outcome will be more powerful. And it sounds like to me that's what you're doing. Yeah, I mean... If um, if you're a brand purist, okay, um, and you look at how you form uh, a brand, its purpose, and its identity, it used to be that you started from the inside out, right? Not the outside in, right? So if you if you can't convince your employees. <laughs> How is it that you're going to convince That's the classic model. I mean, in yeah. public relations and communications, that's yeah. PR 101. Yeah. You get your employees aligned first. Yeah. Yeah. Then you go out to the public. Right, right. And this but is even, not the way it's happening yeah. because, I mean, people are being named chief diversity officer left and right. They're all well, sorts of companies. But we're yeah. not seeing a conservative concerted effort <laughs> between their yeah. marketing and communications and workplace. Right. Yeah, and, and here's here's what happened. We did a study in 2017 right around when we were meeting when we met you. Um, part of our purpose and mission with Reframe is to restate the problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Because we've been talking about this problem now, you know, for three to four generations, okay? And so when we did a research study, it's like, what the heck is going on? Why can we not get this right? Mm -hmm. 
the way that we define the problem is that the workplace is two to three generations culturally behind the marketplace. Mm. That's a great insight. Because within the idea of culture by social scientists, there are five stages of culture, mono, multi, cross, poly, and trans. Mm -hmm. So in the workplace, it's monocultural. Right. And in the marketplace, the debate is cross or poly or have we even regressed? Right. In some cases. That's another conversation, though. Totally. Long story short, when we do that, CEOs at the end of the day, when they're trying to get solve a problem and it it involves change, the other thing we say, well, we've been using the wrong app to solve for the same problem generation after generation. And so when CEOs have an issue, they call it change management, McKinsey, Deloitte, Bain. Not your DNI and equity officer, right? Right. Everybody asks, well, how can we change? And there's an app for that, and it's called change management. Mm-hmm. And that's transformation. So I love the job that our partners within the DNI space have done, but it's really not the practice that we use. Right. It's really not the practice that CEOs use. If they want to do digital transformation, which is change, they call the consultants. And so that's how we're positioned. This is so, it's meta. I mean, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm, I'm right there with you because <laughs> one of the things that I've done with my business um, as I started out on my own, I didn't talk about PR and marketing like people yep. expected me to, you know? 26 yep. years yep. of it, yeah. My last six yep. years, deep in diversity and inclusion. But I talked about leadership and talent development. And I understand that if you get the people right, that it's easier to get your strategy right on the marketing side. It seems like it's just, I mean. Well, I mean, I think we're very passionate about our topics. Right. But, you know, like you, I was in marketing and advertising and brand and strategy. But what I was really in the business of was change yeah. in terms of changing consumers' perceptions and mm-hmm. behaviors. And so when I pivoted inward, I was like, oh, man, this is no different than the marketplace side. Right. And now that the technology is caught up, because someone said to me, and I'm sure as you were looking to exit, um, someone said to me, hey, um, maybe you'll get six RFPs if you go into advertising maybe six tops because of the sales cycle mm, but there interesting. are there are 120 million employees how many of those people i'll tell you what they originally said this is an advisor who was a white guy he said how many white guys need to be educated trained so that they have the tools Mm-hmm. because you're going to them and saying, hey, we got a problem, but you're not giving them the tools to do the application and the change that's required. Well, Jeffrey, even there, I mean, assuming that these white men are very bright business people, mm-hmm. and you've given them the data 
in the business case. Not even the because it's the right thing to do message. Why right, would that even right. be a question? Here's the here's the here's the um the short answer. Um as I did strat planning and led the planning process, you got a really a nine month window to make your number. Mm-hmm. And it's the age old thing around change. Fear. Yeah. It's not fear of change of the people. For instance, we know Hispanics equate for about 16% demographically. Right. Right. <clears throat> Now, if you only have been spending a half a percent of your budget, and all of a sudden, within one business cycle, you want to say, oh, we're going to change that to get to a value that's reflective of that demographic, mm-hmm. that's a huge swing. It's a huge jump. From a planning perspective. Mm-hmm. Without testing and learning your way in. Right. And so, not only that, you ready for this? Yeah. For the past 40 years, we've offshored, and I'm being facetious, we've outsourced mm-hmm. the knowledge and intellectual capital associated with those segments. Yes. And even if we didn't outsource it, we put it in a little department over in the corner. Yep. Yeah. That may so, or may not have budget. And when the cuts come so, through, they're the first to go. And it's no different than if it were a, you have a cash cow brand, Mm -hmm. you have a very innovative brand, but at the end of the day, that innovative brand isn't going to account for 80% of your volume, for instance. And so when you begin to, you know, as we, we have, as we take a look at the strategic planning process, there are five things that we assess when we go into a company. Structure, you have Mm -hmm. the right structure. Uh, segments, over 95% of the companies that we've walked into, they may have a quantitative segmentation, but it's not reflective of the total addressable marketplace. Okay, yeah. So as a result of that, you can be in the face of many executives. They haven't even quantified the opportunity like they've done with the mass market. True. So how is it that you then million dollars or you know 150 million dollars whatever the the budgets are to these high growth segments when they haven't done the due diligence with a segmentation well let me ask you this how do you get some of these well-intended executives to start to think of this diversity and inclusion issue as something you must resource against Instead of, well, that, oh, it's feel good yeah. and just anybody can do it. Well, here's the thing. Um, with, again, it's about the um, the talent resource that you're um, procuring or, or sourcing. Um, so let's talk, you know, what we like to talk about is rarely can a company go through both workplace and marketplace change. Mm-hmm. So if we're... If we're talking about the workplace, it's about retention and increasing retention. Um, when you think about black and brown and women, in most companies, the 3x difference in terms of general pop, 
from a talent perspective. Mm -hmm. And so what we've found is that unlike the marketplace, um, most resources within the company are functional-led versus employee journey-led, mm -hmm. employee journey and employee experience. And so you really don't have the addressable data in most cases to understand the drop-off. For instance, if you look at all the social media today, um, a lot of companies are reverting back to the top of the funnel from a employee perspective, talent acquisition. Right. How about we go to HBCUs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, wait a minute, you guys, the industry was doing that 20 years ago. Right. And 20 years later, you mean you don't have enough people in the pipeline to fulfill the boardrooms? Right. And the fix all is go to the HBCUs. Small tactics versus fixing the ecosystem. Well, and it because, looks good. Again, I mean, everybody gets that. It's simple. So from yeah. somebody on the outside, you want to say that your company is making moves? Plug in an right. HBCU. Well, I hate to say it as PR. Right? Yeah, it's totally PR. Um, but to drive the difference is this. Um, today, if you're in high school and you have interns coming, in, in terms of the pipeline, more than 50% of those students are people of color. Mm -hmm. And so now you've got to really retain this talent because the people aren't changing. Right. And so you, you have to change your entire journey as it relates from an employee perspective, not only how you acquire, but how you retain. Mm -hmm. Globally, it's an $8 trillion problem with a T. Wow. So... And it requires a total transformation from a cultural perspective, not just, I hate to say it, the answer is not just hiring black and brown. Right. Because at the end of the day, in order for the people to stay, you have to change the culture within the organization. Helping. You're attempting to help people and you have a new product. Yes. Yes. So, absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. So, as we were going into these companies and helping them from a service perspective, and again, um, what my ambition, and, you know, if we see each other 20 years from now, we're retired. We say, hey, Michelle, we, we sure did make a, make a difference in terms of making sure that our kids don't have to talk about what our parents and grandparents have talked about. Right. Yeah, and the thing that was missing, A, a new approach, B, addressable data throughout the employee and customer life cycle, mm -hmm. and C, was scaled to the conversation. Mm -hmm. And so... What we did from at the beginning of 2018 up until June of this year, uh, we built what we call an employee experience platform. Because what people want when they go into the workplace is a personalized experience, mm -hmm. not a macro experience. And because of the different wants and needs from an employee perspective, you should be able to go in and have the experience at every stage of the employee life cycle that he or she desires within the workplace. Mm -hmm. So we built it uh, all of 2018. 
we did some pilot, some testing um, at the first half of the year, and now we're rolling out uh, a pilot Q4, mm-hmm. and we've got a thousand seats on the platform reserve as of today. So, for all the lay people out there, try to yeah. describe it so they'll understand. <laughs> this is something that you log on to on the computer. And if yep. you are a, what, HR, talent management? So, so if you think about, um, you know, within the workplace, from a functional perspective, you're an employee. Mm-hmm. First person you typically meet, um, once you pass um, LinkedIn uh, or a talent acquisition tool like LinkedIn is talent acquisition. Right. And so talent acquisition makes a decision as to whether or not to pass you on. And then once they pass you on, you take the interview and you get hired. Now, there are a number of different tools at that front end of that employee experience. But once you join the company, you used to have what you call an intranet. And within the intranet age, it was Mm pre-Slack. And so... You logged on, you got all the tools, maybe you went to orientation, maybe you didn't, and then someone said, hey, uh, we have these different organizations that exist, maybe you went to them, maybe you didn't, but for the most part, you really didn't have a connection with the company, you found out about things within the company on an ad hoc basis, and maybe someone tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, we want you to be a, um, a mentor to someone. Well, all of that is by happenstance. And for the most part, we found that people, women, and minorities drop out off from a company perspective because of the lack of opportunity to have those personalized connections. Mm -hmm. So with Reframe, what we developed was a tool that helps companies um, have one-to-one communications on an ongoing basis with the employee no matter what stage of their employee life cycle. Awesome. So you're launching that now, um, and you're coming to Dallas. We're coming to Dallas on uh, October, next month, October the 3rd. Um, we look to have anywhere from you know, 15 to 20 people. Uh, it's a very personalized experience because The platform is the end game. Up front is content that helps chief human resource officers, uh, folks within the workplace space, make these type of decisions as it relates to change. And then the platform helps you scale and sustain that change within the workplace. Awesome. Which is our full circle moment. This is how we came back into contact. Because you've asked me to do something. Tell the people what that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, we're asking people to, to log on to the platform at getreframe.io. Mm-hmm. Um, it's free to join. Um, we're trying to build a community of B2B content creators like yourself. Right. Um, because within the workplace, it's one thing to say, hey, we want to change. But it's another thing to say, we want to change with no content. Right. And so in most companies, when it comes to retention and topics that are specific to these high growth segments, 
there is a content desert. Mm -hmm. So content creators like yourself, we're building a community of creators to provide content for people that um, log on and sign up for our subscription. Awesome, awesome. So you're going to be launching in Dallas. Are there other cities to come? Other cities to come, um, Dallas is going to be our final market. And then for Q4, we'll pilot with 1,000 seats. Okay. And then we'll officially launch in 2020. And we've got six events or summits. We call them Reframe Change mm -hmm. Summits uh, scheduled for next year in 2020. And then we've got pop-ups that we're going to have in Q3 of next year as well. That's exciting. That's, that's so exciting. Congratulations on the new platform. Thank you. Thank and you. And actually yep. impacting change. I mean, literally. Yep. And I'm hoping that we're these trying. companies are going to get on board if they're serious about it. If they're serious about it, they will get on board because at the end of the day, uh, no one wants to lose employees if they spend a ton of money on trying to hire. Right, right. Awesome. Well, you know, typically I ask people at this point, are you working on any projects? Well, this is it, right? <laughs> this is it. I mean, 24-7. Yeah. You know? Well, you know what? This is it. You're an entrepreneur. You're also a tech founder. Yeah. You found yourself in the yeah, midst of the yeah. whole How about that? <laughs> development of an app. And yeah. so yeah. what was that like? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I had to retrain myself. Um, I used to live in Austin, Texas at, at uh, Dell. Uh, my team was responsible for Dell.com and econometric modeling. That was like in the late 90s. I'm sorry, early 2000s. And then uh, when I saw that the workplace was still pretty much a dormant space, there were some gaps. The only way to solve this problem was through software. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, moved into WeWork Labs, got accepted into WeWork Labs, uh, pre-accelerator, I'm a technical co-founder, had to learn new language, mm -hmm. um, and pretty much just reinvested in myself over the course of a year. I knew how to build a product in terms of, um, you know, UI, UX, wireframes, but I didn't have a technical uh, co-founder. So found a technical co-founder who was 23, um, Funny and, how that works. Yeah, how about that? A Gen yeah. Zer. I mean, that's perfect, yeah, though. Yeah. I mean, half the no, babies was, born awesome. then were babies of color. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he's from Grenada. He started coding and got his uh, computer science degree at eighteen. Wow. Uh, came to the U.S. Um, so no, we're on our way. I mean, look, we need to support people like yourself. Um, I think we're on to something in a very dynamic way, scalable and sustainable. Um, you know, we need to eradicate this issue. Um, no sense of talking about it. Let's do something about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Awesome. I tell people like, hey, this is not my final chapter, but it's pretty close yeah. to it. So yeah, you uh, might want to give it a, a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Work. you know how hard I it understand. Is. Hey Jeffrey, where can people find you online? You can find us at www.getreframe.io. Um, you can find me at Jeffrey L. Bowman on Twitter as well as IG. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much Excellent. it. Excellent. Jeffrey, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the big event and engaging as yes. a business creator. So I'm very excited about that. 
Thank you, Michelle. And if you have any questions, um, feel free to give us a holler and uh, thank you for everything, okay? Thank you so much, Jeffrey. All right. All right. Bye-bye. What an awesome conversation with Jeffrey Bowman, founder of Reframe the Brand. So grateful that he came on the show. Listen, I want you to know that the fall cohorts have been chosen. So excited for all of you that literally applied and um, showed such enthusiasm for growing together and having group coaching and one-on-one coaching. Thank you so much for submitting. Some upcoming speaking and appearances for you. I will be at the Wichita chapter of the AMA talking about the case for culture and marketing. That is September 19th in Wichita, Kansas. Following in October, I'm pretty, pretty busy. I have an appearance in Jackson, Tennessee with Lane College once again, where I'll be keynoting, talking to student leaders and faculty there. And I'll also make an appearance at Jeffrey Bowman's Reframe the Brand launch here in Dallas on October 3rd. There are other dates in October. If you want to learn more, go to lmichellesmith.com slash appearances. If you'd like for me to come and speak at your event, go to lmichellesmith.com slash speaking. You can fill out the speaker request form there and we'll get back in touch with you. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theculturesoup, on Facebook at the Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.